is the good news that we proclaim, the good news we herald, is that there is freedom in Christ. We've been set free. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus are set free. We are no longer slaves to sin and death. And we want you to know that good news today. And if you're, you've joined us online today, we want you to know as well. And we'd love to hear um, what God does in your life as you hear the good news today. We want you to reach out to us. We want to pray with you. We want to be able to support you and encourage you. And if you're here today and you know that you have a need for a Savior, we want to hear of that so that we can pray with you, so that we can walk with you. We do this life together. Um, and so as we're trying to figure out all of the... <laughs> All of the realities of what everybody's calling the new normal and the new realities, the fact is that we're not going to get everything right, but this is very right today. Amen? This is very right today. And so praise the Lord for being able to gather and being able to do this. Uh, Today, as we close out our series called Changed, what we've been dealing with for the past few weeks, um, how Jesus changes everything, I just wanted to give a quick review uh, for those who maybe missed a couple of weeks or hadn't heard some of these sermons. We've been looking at this truth. That when we are in Christ Jesus, when we come to faith in Christ as our Savior and Lord, Jesus does not just make us better. He makes us new. And that's a profound difference. We're not just being transformed into something better. He's making us into new creatures. He's setting us in a new place. He's taking us out of darkness, bringing us into light, out of death, into life. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at the fact that in Christ we are justified. We are now legally set right with God. All of our sinfulness, all of our guilt was placed on Jesus so that we can be justified legally before God. We are reconciled. Not only do we have a a good legal standing with God, we now have a good relationship with God. We're reconciled in Christ Jesus. We are new creatures. The old has passed away. The new has come. We've been given a changed perspective on people and on life and and a new purpose as well, that our purpose is we are reconciled, so now we are agents of that same reconciliation, saying to the world, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. In Christ, we have a changed mindset and mission, because now we are not just individuals, we are part of the people of God, worshiping the Lord through sacrificial humility and sacrificial service to one another. In Christ, we truly discover our truest self as those who belong to Jesus. One of the things that we've been saying over and over again is that we have a tendency sometimes as believers to think that our sin now is still the reality for us, that that's still our identity. No, we are sinners no more. We are children of the living God if we are in Christ Jesus. Does that mean we're not going to sin? No, we're going to sin. You're going to struggle with sin. I'm going to struggle with sin. It's that we're no longer defined by that sin. Instead, what we are is we are children of the living God, which means to fight against sin, to put aside sin, to lay aside sin, and to pursue Christ means we're pursuing being our truest self. The world likes to say, be true to yourself. We would say as Christians, that's the only, we're the only people who can be true to ourselves and live eternally. Because we are new creatures in Christ. So Jesus changes Everything in the life of the believer. And today we close out this series by looking at a concept that is foundational to who we are as believers and foundational to who we are as humans. It's often lauded and heralded as a high privilege, but it's also often misunderstood and misapplied in our lives. And that concept is freedom. We are set free in Christ. But what does that mean? 
And so I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. I want you to see these few verses, and I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian Christians, and therefore to us. In the context of this passage, he's giving really an account of what happened at Mount Sinai. And starting in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be jumping back into our study in Exodus at Mount Sinai. So this is an appropriate way for us to end out this series and move back into our Exodus series. He's, he's saying that when the law was given to the people of Israel, they couldn't see truly the glory of God. Even though he shows up in thunder and lightning on the mountaintop, even though there is great glory there, their hearts and their minds were veiled to see the glory of God. And that law actually led them more into sin because of their sinful hearts. It's this sort of thing is what he would say in the book of Romans. He would say this. I didn't think about coveting until the law told me not to covet. Right? I wasn't going to covet your stuff until the law said don't covet. Then I went, I really want your stuff. I wish I had that. And so the law meeting up with an evil, dead in its sin's heart will constantly lead to more sin. And what we need is we need new life. And so that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 tells us, is this new life. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. See, it says that the Israelites, every time they heard the word of God, every time they heard the law of God, it was as if there was a veil over their minds and their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What we learn in this passage is this. Foundational to the life of the believer is that the believer in Christ is changed by being set free. Our status is changed. We are set free. What does that mean? Freedom from sin? Yes. Freedom to obey? Yes. Freedom from eternal death? Yes. Freedom to eternal life? Yes. But there's something else here that gets us day to day to day through life as believers in Christ. And so I think it's really important for us to look at and dive into this idea of freedom because freedom is often misunderstood and misapplied. The concept of freedom is often misunderstood because in its essence, what freedom really is, if we were to define it, freedom is the concept of this. The ability to do whatever we want with no consequences. That in its essence is what freedom is. So you can immediately see where you might run into some problems with that. If freedom is the ability to do whatever I want with no consequences... Wow, that could go in a lot of different directions. Really quickly, off the edge of the cliff. You can see that this would be misunderstood and misapplied very easily. People will run with the idea and the concept of, I'm free. I can do whatever I want to. And they'll run because of their nature quickly into sin, into destruction. How many people do you know and how many times in your own life has it been that the freedom that you've had has actually led you into destruction, not into good? Because when we misapply and we misunderstand freedom, then we will misunderstand what our life in Christ is all about. For the believer, this is what we begin to understand. 
that unless we have the Spirit of God change us from the inside out, we cannot find true freedom. We can't find true freedom. Unless we have the Spirit of God change us from the inside out, we're going to run after the things that we want, and they will always lead us to destruction. But when we are changed from the inside out, He changes what we want. Our desires are changed to be God-honoring desires. Our desires are changed so that what we want is Jesus. Unless what we want has been changed by Jesus, we are going to remain slaves to sin and death. We'll be dead in our trespasses and sins unless we have Jesus change us. And if we are slaves to sin and death and dead in our trespasses and sins, then what we want and what we follow in our freedom will always lead us to death and destruction in the end. Ultimately, this is the reality of life. We are free. That sounds really good, right? Like, we are free. Ready for the caveat? In our nature, River was not ready for the caveat. Not sure that any of us are ready for it. We're free. Just in our nature. You know, there's this age-old question that goes around the Internet in cycles. Would you rather be invisible or have the ability to fly? Just think about that for a second. That's a fantastic question and the dumbest question ever. It's a fantastic question on one hand and a really dumb question on the other hand. Fantastic question because it really gets us thinking, like, what would be fun? Now, I'll just tell you, I have no nefarious plans, so invisibility does no good for me whatsoever, right? Like, invisible, I'm not breaking in any banks anytime soon, so invisibility just not helpful. The way I look at flight is that I immediately become invisible anytime I want to leave because I can just fly away. And so I like the idea of flight over invisibility. That's what I would choose, is I would choose flight. And yet, here's why it's the dumbest question ever, because it'll never happen. Why? Because it's not in our nature to be able to fly on our own. It's not in our nature to be invisible. We don't have the freedom to all of a sudden identify as a bird and start flying. And so I want to make sure you understand that you're free. You're just free within your nature. If you jump in the water, if you go to the beach right now and jump in the ocean, at some point you got to get out. Because it is not your nature to be in there forever. You will start pruning up really quickly. Hypothermia will set in even on a hot day. You will at some point, your body will rebel against its confines. Why? Because it's not your nature. We are free, but only within our nature. And, and spiritually, what that means is this. The nature of people without Jesus as their Lord and Savior is to sin. The nature of humanity is to rebel against God, to heap up condemnation and judgment upon ourselves. So true freedom is found only in the Lord by faith in the finished work of Christ to defeat our old slave master, sin and death, by taking our shame, our sin, our condemnation upon himself on the cross and dying the death that our sin deserved so that we can have his life and his righteousness. And then he defeated sin and death once for all by rising from the grave on the third day. So now freedom in Christ is like a light in the darkness to us. Instead of groping about trying to find eternal life, we've been set on a path with a light to walk in that path. 
We no longer grope around in the darkness trying to find the path to righteousness or eternal joy. Freedom in Christ sets us on the path of righteousness and obedience. It isn't our obedience and goodness that puts us on that path. No, but it's his grace and faith in that gracious salvation accomplished for us by Jesus on the cross. So ultimately, as we see at the end of this passage, what we learn is this. It's of the Lord. Freedom is an act of God. Freedom is something he accomplishes. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Ultimately, freedom is a gift from God to those who trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. But what kind of freedom? What kind of freedom? I could talk all day about what the freedom is not. But what does this passage say that it is? The first thing we see is in verse 16. Verse 16 tells us that the freedom in Christ that we have is the ability to see reality clearly. Look back at verse 16. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The veil that does not allow us to see God's glory clearly, does not allow us to see clearly, is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see the direct line there. When you receive the Lord, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is lifted because that's the freedom. That's the first act of freedom in our lives is we're able to see reality clearly. When we are set free from our old slave master, sin and death, and are brought into the family of God by grace through faith, the veil is lifted and we are able to see clearly. The veil spoken of here is is the fact that God's people... Even when they see God in all of his glory right there in front of them and, they, and they're given the law of God, what they did with that law is they looked at their own hearts and they said, okay, I'm better at keeping the law than you are. That law, instead of revealing to them the glory of God and that they would fall short of the glory of God, which is what we're told in Scripture, that law instead met with their selfish, self-absorbed hearts And it turned them to look at their neighbor and go, better than that guy. Better than that guy. So I want you to stop for just a second because this is the nature of what we do when it comes to reality and when it comes to sin and when it comes to the glory of God. When we're met with the law, when we're met with God's word, here's our tendency in our flesh. Comparison. And not comparison to God and his glory, but comparison to other people. So I want you to just for a second, this is always a good exercise in church, think of the most evil person who's ever walked the face of the earth. And if you're over the age of 40, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that about 70 to 80% of you immediately went to Hitler. All right? Like, wait, wait, just think of Hitler. Evil, evil man. And you know what Hitler thought? Hitler himself. Evil incarnate in so many ways. Here's what he thought. Some of those people are worse than I am. Even Hitler, in all of his evil, thought some people people were more evil than he is. We will always, in our comparisons, win. Because we'll find something to compare or someone to compare with that's worse than we are. But when we're held to the light of God and his glory, see, sin is this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what we need is the freedom to have the veil lifted so we can see the glory of God. 
What is needed is for the Spirit of the Lord to reveal the glory of God to us, to unveil our eyes so that we can see him clearly. And this is what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God gives freedom to the believer to see the glory of God clearly. Look down at chapter 4, verse 6. This is what we're told plainly here in verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. People who are veiled and perishing in their sin and death don't have the ability to see Jesus in all of his glory, but the Spirit of God, God who says, let light shine out of darkness, shines light on the face of Jesus, opens our eyes and our minds and our hearts to be able to see Jesus in all of his glory. It is the work of God the Spirit to open our eyes, to unveil our eyes, to unveil the glory of Jesus, to us so that we can see clearly. This is what we're told. This is what's happening in this passage. When the Spirit of God changes a believer and sets us free, we are free to have a right view of reality. Seeing the glory of Jesus, when our eyes are open to the glory of God, we are then given the ability to see the world and everything around us in the right view. We have the right view of reality. Just think about our world right now, how broken it is. You know what the most shocking thing in the world to me right now is? It's how shocked we are that it's broken. We should be dismayed. We should be angry at injustice. We should absolutely stand for what's right. We should stand against injustice when we see it. We should call sin, sin. But be surprised that the world is broken? I mean, the whole Bible speaks to it. We shouldn't be that surprised. The thing that surprises me the most is how quickly we as believers are shocked at how bad the world is. I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for Jesus to come back to set it all right. So I'm not that surprised that it's as broken as it is. And when I see the glory of God and I see that it's not about comparisons between people and other people, but it's putting ourselves before a holy God and recognizing that he is glorious and we are not. That he is holy and we have a need for him. We will always fall short unless he is the one who gives us life. That gives us a right view of reality. Seeing the glory of God gives us a right view of Jesus. The veil is lifted so we can see him in his glory fully. And I will just tell you, the more you see of Jesus, the more you want of Jesus. When your heart is is unveiled when the veil is lifted from our ability to see Jesus for who he is. And we no longer look at Jesus and say, well, he's not who I wished he was, but we receive him for who he is. We love him for who he is. We trust him for who he is. When we trust the person and work of Jesus, the more we see of Jesus, the more we're going to want of Jesus. And seeing the glory of God gives us a right view of Jesus. Seeing the glory of God gives us a right view of ourselves because the more we see Jesus clearly, the more we recognize we are not God. And that puts us in a position of walking through life appropriately 
looking at ourselves and others in the right light. You see, today our call is not first to be good. That's not in the passage. It doesn't say, here's the law, follow it. It says that without the Spirit of God, you would be given the law and your hearts and your minds would be veiled and you would miss God in all of it. No, the, the call today is not first to be good. The call is not first to be obedient because without Christ, that obedience is impossible. No, the call today is to behold Christ and to believe him. The call today is to behold Christ and to believe him. Through the gospel preached today, the power of God is unleashed to open our eyes to behold the glory of Christ. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the never-changing one, the servant king, the suffering Messiah, who has taken our place on the cross so that we might receive his righteousness. He's the risen king who now is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. The returning king who will lay waste to all of his enemies and will lavish eternal reward on his people. See him clearly in his glory today. See him clearly today because when you see him clearly, you are seen in the right light. You'll see your own heart in the right light. You'll see the hearts of others in the right light and you'll see our world in the right light. And our prayer would not be this. Well, if they just do better. I mean, how many times have you watched people throw their lives away, it seems, and your reaction is, well, if they had just tried harder, if they had just done better, if they had just followed the rules, there are a lot of people who have followed the rules their whole lives who are going to find themselves sorely missing the kingdom of God because they put their hope in following the rules. And if our reaction to a broken world is they need to try harder, if our reaction to broken lives is they need to do better, then it could be that we don't have a right view of Jesus. No, today our call is not first to be good, it's to behold Christ and to believe. Freedom in Christ is the ability to be able to see clearly, to see reality clearly. That's freedom here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But the second aspect of freedom in Christ is this, the ability to become more like Jesus. Look at verse 18, because here's the hope. The hope is not you're going to see Jesus and you're going to keep falling short, and that's just going to be the way it is. No, he says you're going to behold Jesus, and when you get that freedom of the veil being lifted, he's going to start making you more and more and more like Jesus. Verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And where the Lord, who is the Spirit, is, what is is there? Freedom. (laughs) Where the Lord is, there's freedom. And the freedom is, you're going to be changed. For the believer in Christ, you now have the ability to become more and more like Jesus. He frees us from our striving that leads to nothing. And now we follow Christ. Seeing and behold leads, seeing and beholding Jesus also leads to transformation. We not only see Jesus for who he is, freedom in Christ means that we won't stay the way we were or the way we are. 
While obedience can't make us right with God, those who are made right with God by grace through faith are then transformed into those who are obedient. Let me say that again. Obedience can't make you right with God, but when you're made right with God, you'll become obedient. And we often get that in reverse when we're talking to the world. No, the hope for us is that we've seen Jesus in his glory. Now we're going to become like Jesus. The Spirit of God gives freedom to become more like Jesus. Look at who does the work here. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Becoming more like Jesus is the work of God. Paul Paul told the Philippians of his confidence that he who began a good work in them would be faithful to complete it. That good work involves the making of us more and more into the image of Jesus, restoring a people that reflect the image of God, just the way God designed us in the Garden of Eden, that we we would reflect his glory to the world around us. We will become more like Jesus, but I need you to hear me on this because this is really important. It's going to happen gradually. And that just doesn't fly really well with us as Americans. We like now. As I've been looking at this concept of freedom, I find it really interesting. I have the opportunity to travel quite a bit around the world. And you know what old cultures all around the world call us still? We're still the great experiment. We're still the great experiment in democracy and freedom. We're not an old enough country yet to have this right. So we're still trying to figure out what freedom means. We're still trying to figure out what democracy means because we are still a young nation. Our church is older than our country. Literally. I I look at that and and that's, that's that's a reality check for me. Because what I want is I want all of the benefits of freedom right now, but we're still working that thing out. Still trying to figure out what that means. And I think that's where a lot of our frustration comes in with our country and with what goes on in our nation. Because my concept of freedom and your concept of freedom may be very, very different. And then everybody said, yeah, but it's America. You have the freedom to have a different concept of freedom. Praise the Lord the Bible doesn't operate that way. Praise the Lord, our God says, this is freedom. Unveiled face, you see Jesus, and the freedom now to obey and to walk in my way that you might become more like Jesus. But it's going to happen gradually. Look at the way the passage puts it. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, when we see the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. A couple of things to point out here. It's from one degree of glory to another, so it happens gradually, but we're all going to become the same image. Scary thought. I just had this conversation as a couple walked in, and I always comment when I see a couple that's been married for a little while, and they come in basically matching When they walk into church basically matching, I'm like, oh, isn't that sweet? And they said, it was the Zeringers, they said, I'll just call them out. Um, They said, this is what happens when you have a good marriage and you've been married for a while as you begin to look more and more like each other. My wife and I look nothing alike. I don't know what that says about our marriage, but we look nothing alike. Um, We do have great shoes. Both of us have great shoes, so that's good. But it's interesting how you become more and more like one another the longer you're together. And here's what I want you to hear. 
we're not being changed into free people who are all going to end up being different. We're being changed into free people who are all going to be very similar. Similar in our hearts and our passions for things that are eternal. Similar in our, th- in our thinking about the world because we behold Jesus and he begins to define everything for us. This is what we're told here. We become like Jesus gradually. And so before we jump the gun and think that I get all that change now, no, you will get the change. It's just going to take a lifetime. When you see Jesus face to face at the end of your life is when you will be fully like Christ. God's work is a work in progress in our lives, rooting out sin and replacing sin with obedience, rooting out our great lusts and replacing all of those with greater loves of him and his glory. The more we behold the glory of Jesus, the more we put ourselves in the position of beholding Jesus and all of his glory, the, the more we become like him. But I do want you to see this. It's not just gradual. It's definite as well. We will become like Jesus Definitely. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, into that image that is Jesus. We're being transformed to be like him. It will happen. We will be made more like Jesus. It's going to take a lifetime, but it will happen. And when we stand before Jesus at the end of this life, we will behold him as he is. And his glory will be perfectly reflected in our perfected holiness. This won't happen until the veil is completely lifted by moving from death to eternal life. But it will happen. So take heart. So what does that mean? If freedom in Christ is unveiled eyes so that we see and behold the glory of Jesus. And if freedom in Christ is then becoming more and more like Jesus, what does that mean for all of us? What it means is that as believers, we don't preach a gospel of behavior. We preach a gospel of change and transformation. We preach a gospel of new life. And that new life is found only in the Spirit of God. The truth is this. Freedom doesn't come simply by behavior change. Freedom comes by new life brought by the Spirit of God. And will lead to obedience and transformation. Because the change everyone needs, because the change we need can only be brought by the Spirit of God. Not by our manipulation or our great church events or awesome online services or bluegrass music. Even though I think that's about the closest you can get, right? Or through our guilt trips. Or through any human methodology. Because we can't produce life change in other people, but only the Spirit of God can do that, then Christianity and the Christian gospel is not manipulating people into good behavior. The Christian gospel is not manipulating people to say, just be better, because they will be better people, and they'll be going to an eternity without Jesus. The Christian gospel is not manipulating people with promises of prosperity. We're not offering Jesus plus anything. We're just offering Jesus. And he's enough. We're not offering to the world, hey, we can make your life better. Because when I read the New Testament and I look at Christians all over the world, life doesn't seem to get much easier for most Christians. 
No, we have a new view of the world and it often puts us at odds with the world. No, we're not offering prosperity. We're not offering good behavior. We're offering Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus Christ, the glorious king who laid aside his glory long enough to take on our sin and condemnation at the cross. But who now rules and reigns with power and glory has been given the name that is above every name. This Jesus, whose name is the only name under heaven whereby people may be saved. And so our call to you today, whether you're watching online or you're here with us today, is this. Call upon the name of Jesus today for salvation. There is no other life change apart from him. There is no eternal hope apart from him. There is no reality check in this world. There is no right view of self, right view of the world, right view of God without Jesus. And so we say this very plainly as Old Powhatan Baptist Church. The Christian gospel, Christianity, is Jesus Christ. And in him, there is freedom. Oh, that you would see him in his glory today and trust him. As the band comes back up to lead us in a closing song, we want to go out celebrating. We want to go out knowing that Jesus is king. But we also would not want you to go out from this place or log offline today Without this knowledge, that without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, without Jesus' finished work on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins, without trusting that he has finished the work and there is no good work that you must do to earn it, without trusting him, you have no hope. I have no hope. We want you to trust him today. We want you to know for certain that you have Jesus Christ, not to be measuring yourself by any measuring rod other than Jesus Christ who has paid it all for you. And my prayer is that you would trust him today. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you for your word, and I pray that today we would walk in what we've heard, that we would be people who would be set free, free to see Jesus in his glory, and then free to know that we can walk in obedience to him as you give us the power. Now, because of the shed blood of Jesus, I pray that we would walk free, not bound anymore by sin and shame, but walk free from our old slave masters, trusting our new king. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's